This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Have you been watching the markets? They've kind of been in flux, to say the least. A bit of a bump today, right now up... 860. I think you might have heard Terry Shintz talking about the TSX as well, but certainly bouncing back a bit on this Monday. Many wondering what this means for investments, long-term pensions, pondering what to do this tax season, being that it's RRSP deadline, what to do, what to do. Uh, Let's talk to somebody who knows and, and talk it through for real. Jeffrey Sandler in studio with me, portfolio strategist with Linton Wealth Management at Raymond James. Uh, Oh, I got the wrong microphone on. Hold on one sec. You want me to move? No, you can go right there, I believe. Oh, it's just the lights out in that microphone, is it? Yeah, it says it's on, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, yeah, roll over here. Some, we've, got, we've got a technical problem. Look like how easy it. that was. You know, it's just like the Dow. <laughs> it's like a technical glitch. <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you very much for coming in studio to talk with us. You're super welcome. So where do we begin? Uh, what did you see happen in the markets last week? A correction. Uh, a classic 10% move from uh, uh, from a stock market that we've been talking about for a while was a little bit pricey. It had, and by pricey, I don't mean overly expensive like the 2000 dot-com bubble. What I mean is just it had been going straight up almost like a GIC, like a bond, you know, week after week relentlessly for six months, and it looked like it needed a good rest. Any excuse would have done, but this was a really good excuse. Yeah, COVID-19 being that excuse. And then we, I mean, watching it last week was quite something. It's down 1,000, down 1,200, down 1,000. And then Friday, it, it rallied. Yeah, funny. When the, when the uh, traders and the people who operate the algorithmic or the mathematically triggered trading systems go away for the weekend, the risk is that there will be some kind of announcement on a Saturday or Sunday, which would push the market violently in one direction or the other. So they tend to go home what's called neutral or, or uh, balanced. Bring so back no some bias. of what was lost, right? Yeah, so they get out. So Friday looked just like that. It kind of rallied a bit and struggled a bit and then held its own for the day and then nothing happened. Today, it was very important that there be a bounce day, and there was and mm-hmm. there is, you just mentioned it. And the last hour of trading, that that you and I are, are in right now, right. Is, is the one that determines the mood pretty much for the week. It'll, it'll tell you whether or not there's still a lot of fear around, a little, or, or it's abated. And at the moment, it looks like it's backing off a little. Yeah, as we sit here, let me just hit refresh on my Dow. Uh, it's uh, 26,341, up 931. So every time I've looked down since you walked in the studio, it's jumped 100 points. It's up 400 since I left my building 10 minutes ago. So wow. there you go. So to, to give that perspective yet again, so what happens on a Monday and specifically in the final hour of trading, which we are in right now, often dictates the, the mood. mood. It, it gives you a good idea of what professional traders and uh, portfolio managers, people who control significant pools, are thinking in terms of their risk bias. And this holds true after crashes. After Last week wasn't a crash, it was a correction. Crash is a whole different uh, well, let's talk a little discussion. bit about a crash because that was 2008, right? That's mm-hmm. what people are thinking. Oh, my God, it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to. Yeah, the big difference, and I forgot to mention this last time somebody uh, brought me into um, the radio station and said, what's going on? I forgot to mention, well, this isn't 2008 for one huge reason. There isn't $3 trillion, $4 trillion worth of completely worthless, fraudulent 
housing bonds hidden somewhere in the capital markets waiting to harpoon the entire banking system. So that's not there, meaning a crash is probably nowhere near as likely. I don't think it is. However, there are other things. That weren't there in 08. So 12 years ago, we didn't have the worries about uh, repercussions from Brexit, the repercussions from the Italian system, which is really still floundering. And they're all kind of keep picking on the Italians. They should come up with other examples. Canada and all the commodities, oil prices. So there's all sorts of stuff underneath the headlines that's causing problems. And all of that together came into play last week, not just the virus. Uh, and if you, if you start forecasting economic growth and say going to be slower in China, Japan, Korea, Latin America, Australia, Canada, USA. Well, that's the R word, recessions. Right. And, um, nothing market hates the recession word. And the market most especially hates the unknown. If it knows things are getting worse, it can behave a certain way. If it knows things are getting better, it'll behave a certain way. If it doesn't know what's going on, it drops. It doesn't matter if it's going to be good news or bad news, it'll fall right. because it doesn't know. It's unsure, it's uncertain, it can't make decisions. And it's a mathematically driven beast and the algorithms and automated trading systems connected to it will tend to exacerbate or push the moves much further than when we'd normally think. If you think this kind of news would deserve a 4 or 5% correction, maybe you get 10 or 11. That's what we got. Because it was triggered, and once the algorithms kicked in, boom, 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 boom. Selling begot selling. Mm. Fear begets more fear. So what, in, sorry, I should reiterate, if you've just tuned in, Jeffrey Sandler, portfolio strategist with Linton Wealth Management at Raymond James. Uh, if somebody is sitting nervously... <laughs> thinking about their pension or nervously looking at their portfolio right now, what say you? Well, don't worry about your pension. It's probably in good hands. Uh, modern pension operations have, uh, for the most, from what I'm aware of, have excellent risk controls. I used to be involved um, more heavily with the institutional side, but now they're, they're very agile and they're very adept at handling these kinds of risks. Your own personal money. Well, it, depending on your age and your circumstance, if you're really putting the RSP money away, in other words, you really aren't going to look at it. Yet, yet, There's no reason why you'd have to go in there and dip into it in a few months if something happened. Then, you know, a stock market that's beaten up is better than a stock market that's going up every day. Yeah. So, you know, what, what would I be inclined to do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd look at it and go, okay. And then I'd, I'd buy something that I can live with. And if you have very strong feelings about ethical companies or very strong feelings about the environment or you're enamored with utility companies, whatever it is. Utilities, I always mention because people will have a gas bill, a hydro bill, uh, the, of course, the cell phone bill, etc. But they won't own the companies that provide these things. That they're paying to. And my rule is always make more money on them than they do on you. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, huh. if you're if you're you know if you're paying Telus a great big, and I'm Chunk. picking on Telus only because yeah. I like them. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are a Telus customer. Well, uh, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and uh, you know I think we all are. But the the, um, the the bottom line is if I'm if you're paying all that money every month to Telus for all that stuff you're using, it would be nice to have a little money in Telus because they pay a great big dividend, etc. But I can apply that logic mm -hmm. to a lot of names. People hate their banks. Yeah. Well, they should own their banks. Mm -hmm. You don't like dealing at that bank. They're, you know, they don't like you because you're too small or something like that. Fine, buy a little bit of the stock. Buy a little bit more. Buy just put as opposed away. to saying I'm not buying them because I hate them. Well, you can either get mad or get even. Right. And, and making more money on them than they do on you is getting even. And
And where does that come into play? Because you mentioned the ethical piece or the, you mm-hmm. know, making sure that your portfolio is aligned with your personal beliefs. I mean, if you're vegan, do you own a lot of dairy or beef stocks, you know, whatever? Um, it's hard to do, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. And ethical funds actually have uh, some of the better ones have better records than some non-ethical ones. Because along with ethical behavior, guess what? The companies tend to do better. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, if you do your homework, you can get involved with where you want to be. You don't have to have, uh, you know, gun makers and, and uh, military contractors and things in the portfolio. If you want to get a mutual fund that stays away from all that kind of stuff, just look around. That's an option. Jeffrey, thanks for this. You're very welcome. That flew by. Boy, I learned a lot there. And where's the Dow now? We're going to keep our eye on it. Uh, up 931 points. Looks like a strong close. Good last hour. Looks 988 points with one refresh. There you go. Jeffrey Sandler, a portfolio strategist, Linton Wealth management at Raymond James. Always a pleasure.